Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Fred Valles from Optimizer.com. Fred, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Seth. Our pleasure. Let's go back in time just a little bit. What is Optimizer and how did you how did you get started? Yeah, so Optimizer is a PPC management software and I started it after I left Google. So uh, I was at Google in 2002, really early on. It was less than 500 people and I stayed for about 10 years. And by the time it was like around 60,000 people, things had changed. And I'd seen a, a number of things that Google just wasn't really going to build to help advertisers. And so I thought there was an opportunity for me out there and left the company, uh, took my engineering background, started building some scripts. And uh, and here we are with Optimizer. Well, I'm sure the longer version of that could probably fill a book somewhere <laughs> if it hasn't already. Um, you said, build a couple of scripts. Here we are with Optimizer. So let's unpack that just a little bit. What does Optimizer do? Yeah, so PPC, first of all, for uh, those of you who don't know what that is, it's pay-per-click. So it's basically those ads that you will see on search engines where you are, uh, you know, on the top of the, the the search results and the bottom of the search results, you can pay to get your ad listed for a specific keyword. And that's the very simple version. It's much more complex nowadays. Uh, but so placing those ads means you have to choose what keywords you want to show up for. How much should you bid how do you track whether those clicks are leading to conversions and sales? Uh, what kind of ads do you put in? So all of that stuff uh, gets to be tedious, gets to be somewhat repetitive in many cases. And so we thought we can build software to just make it more fun and more effective for advertisers. Uh, and at the end of the day, I like our mission is make sure that you can be a professional digital marketer and still have time to go home, spend time with your family, do the things you actually enjoy doing. Uh, and we know people love PPC, but there's probably other stuff you want to get to as well. So that's that's what we enable. Awesome. So what's wrong with the world of PPC? That and and there's a lot. Um, yeah. There's things that are right, but what are the issues that Optimizer solves? Well, I mean, I think the big question when I started running Optimizer and when I co-founded it was that automation was this like always encroaching on the things that humans were doing in PPC, right? And so when I joined Google in 2002, my first job was actually manually reviewing every single keyword that somebody would be uh, purchasing. So, so imagine eBay back in the day, like millions of keywords for the millions of different things you could buy on eBay and then later on Amazon. 
But each of these was a keyword that had to be manually reviewed. And Google said, well, we have to automate that. It's just not scalable, right? So, so here comes the first wave of automation and then they're into like, well, you know, should people really have to manage millions of keyword bids or should that just, should they tell us what is your cost per acquisition target? And that becomes automated. And so there's this wave and a couple of years ago, it got to the point where people were saying, listen, what is my role as a human in this world of PPC marketing? Is Google trying to put me and my agency, me and my digital marketing team out of business? Are they just going to do it all for me? And so I started thinking about that and then wrote a book about it. But I basically said, well, listen, these are the roles that humans can play. They can be the, the PPC doctor, the PPC teacher and the PPC pilot. And so together with the automation in one of these capacities, you're going to provide better results than everyone else. Um, and so we're evolving past that now into the day of generative AI, but that was kind of the baseline of where we saw there was a real problem. Um, and it wasn't that the technology was broken. It was like the technology was getting so good. Humans needed to figure out where did they fit into that equation. Awesome. So how does because optimizer does a lot of different things how does it what does it do and how does it do it in such a way i mean you said it makes it more fun which is great but i think it makes it the more and more important thing is it makes it more profitable um yeah. so, so let's talk about the bottom line impact of all of the bells and whistles exactly so so we think of optimizer as kind of an automation layering so you're still going to be able to use the uh, best in class technology that google and microsoft are building so their bid automation, their keyword matching, you use all of that, but we layer on top of that and we sort of put in place guardrails or PPC insurance because all of these automations, like one of the biggest frustrations sometimes is that, you know, if you spend $10,000, Google will figure out exactly what are the right keywords and the right bids, but like $10,000 to, to Google, that's nothing, right? I mean, they make billions of dollars in revenue. But if you're an entrepreneur and you're just starting like that $10,000, that could make or break you. Uh, and, and so that's where we come in. We say, listen, we got to we gotta take some of the things that the humans already know and let you put those guardrails in place. So we, we have a, a rule engine, for example. So you can say, listen, if any keyword average cost per click goes above, say, $20, $30, which is not that uncommon, by the way. But if it goes above that, like maybe that's higher than the cost of my product. So like reel that in, stop it immediately. Don't let Google go down that path. Um, so that's the script. And then we have other uh, tools and automations that will do a build out. So if you're a larger retailer and you have hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of products, you give us a spreadsheet of what those products are and we'll generate a hundred campaigns, thousands of ad groups. Uh, and, and why does that matter? Well, it matters because Google on the back end has this whole thing called quality score. So each ad, each keyword you put in, Google makes an assessment. Is that going to be good enough to show as an ad? Because remember, Google only makes money when somebody clicks on an ad. And so they need to make sure that those ads they show on the page are really high quality, highly relevant. And users want to click on them. And so quality score sort of enables that. But, but what that means as an advertiser is you have to get pretty granular in what is the relationship between the keyword that you're targeting and the ad text that you're showing. So we have tools that do this at scale and make it really easy to maintain these high quality scores. Um, we have bidding capabilities, right? So if you're on automated target ROAS, target CPA bidding, we make sure that if we see that you're losing impression share, which means that you're not getting 100% of all the possible clicks, let, let's maybe be more aggressive with your target so that Google can show your ad more often and you can have more sales. 
Um, so there's just a number of the things, but many, many capabilities that we just have identified as advertisers needing that, that we solve. All right. So let's dial that in because I because you're obviously doing something incredible. So for example, I my wife might try type in um, or I might type in, I want a black barefoot running shoe. And then I see ads for barefoot running shoe. I click on them. And even though, and I go to someplace that isn't barefoot running, I go to someplace where the shoes aren't black and I typed in black. And then I got to go dig around the website and try and find them, or I just give up and click the dreaded back button. So how is your software able to prevent that from happening? And as you said, maintain that quality score. How is it getting it right when there are big brands that have had this problem? And I'm sure they've got rooms full of people screwing it up. Oh, absolutely. Like every week I do searches and it's like it goes to a dead landing page. Or in your case, it goes to a page where it's like not exactly that product that you were looking for. And, and you illustrated it really well, right? Like the, the thing that the consumer is going to do is use the, the back button because it's so easy to just use the back button and go to the advertiser who actually got it right. Um, and that's such a, again, remember these clicks, they can cost you a couple dollars each. And that's such a waste of money if you don't get it right. So our software specifically will do a number of things. So we have a landing page monitoring tool. So if your landing page is down or the product is out of stock or the product has really bad reviews and that's going to hurt the conversion rate, we can automatically pause that ad for you, that landing page and that ad. So you're not wasting money on those things that are not going to sell. That's one thing. The other thing, uh, it's called the campaign automator. So we have this capability so that you have your spreadsheet and you say, well, we got these barefoot running shoes in this size and that color for men, for women. We put that all together and we come up, you, you basically tell us the template. So you say, I'd like the ad to show the color, the gender, the size, right? So it completely matches to what the user was searching for. So now the ad that you click on also probably is going to go to the landing page with that specific product. So, so that's kind of like, we call that preserving the scent of the query. So you went to Google, you type in exactly what you wanted. And then if you can make the ad say exactly those things while well, the consumer is going to go, whoa, that's like they understood what I wanted. That's the ad to click on. And then preserving that sense of the query onto the landing page, boom, it's exactly that same thing you were looking for. And maybe a couple of alternatives, maybe a couple of sales that you got going on, right? Because the consumer does want some choices ultimately. But you take them as close to what you think they want as, as you can. Google's happy because you got great quality score. You get lots of click-through rates. You're happy because you actually get a high conversion rate. You get good return on ad spend, and that's what grows your business. And so, and then we have smaller tools capabilities where we will say, "Well, listen, um, the keyword that you put in probably was a broad match keyword." And so, if if you're in advertising, you understand what this means. But if you're not really, so Google has what they call exact match keywords, broad match keywords, phrase match keywords, and it it just indicates how closely the search term that somebody types in has to relate to the keyword that you chose. So in the case of a broad match, Google might say, well, you know, if somebody searched for a running sneaker, they might change it to marathon sneakers, okay? Because marathon and running, kind of the same thing, kind of related, but maybe your shoe is specifically not really good for long distance running. It's not a marathon shoe. Our tool will pick that up and it'll say, look, here's the things that Google thought were relevant to you. These are the keywords that the people actually typed in. 
And how does that relate to what you sell? And then we identify really low conversion rates, really like, uh, or is this not a good semantic match? And we tell you, you could make this through our tool, a negative keyword. And a negative keyword simply says, that is not something I want to show up for again. Um, and so that, that kind of reels in the cost again and make sure that you have really good results. That is awesome. Now, I mean, you've worked with household name companies like Volvo and Rakuten and Publicis. So I'm just curious, how does one get in the door at a company that, that size? Yeah, just uh, build a good tool, I guess. <laughs> um, no, listen, I, I've been very fortunate that I joined Google uh, when it was a young company, a small company. And then, and, and this is maybe some like personal advice, right? But like, how do you grow? So if you have the same fortune to be at a company that people pay attention to, like leverage that brand to build your personal brand. And that's really what I did. So I became an evangelist within Google. And that was a role that didn't exist at Google. But uh, the, the executive, like I worked with Sheryl Sandberg and she, uh, at one point, she got invited to speak at a lot of conferences. And she obviously is really good at giving these presentations, but she maybe wasn't the best at answering the very detailed questions that an advertiser might have as a follow-up to that presentation. So she asked me here and there, like, can you help prep me? Or can you actually, this, this conference is not that important. You go and talk at it, right? And so I'd go up there and I, I really got a kick out of having that, that answer and being able to connect with those advertisers. But through that, I built my personal brand together with the Google brand. And then that really opened doors for me when I started my own company, because now I had these relationships like um, Adidas is a client of ours. And honestly, the reason they became a client is because one of the directors of the marketing team had seen me speak six years in a row at a conference on behalf of Google. And then when I started my own company, she was like, oh, I remember you. I, you seem to say things that make sense to me. So your tool probably, hopefully, does these things as well. And then when they checked it out, you know, it all kind of fit together. And, and so you get these big customers. And then from there, it's those relationships, right? Now people use the tool. They talk about it. Uh, people move around jobs. So you have a big marketing team at a big company like Volvo, like Adidas. They're going to graduate onto another company and they're going to remember the tools and the software they liked. And they're going to go there and say, hey, can we have this too at our new company? I mean, we have this one guy, he went like five big companies in a row where he was a consultant and boom, boom, boom. Optimizer goes goes into TomTom, the GPS company and, um, and a number of other interesting companies. And that's how it grows. Well, congratulations on that. Now, let's talk about bottom line. I mean, I know you have shoeboxes filled with case studies of how well this works. Can you give us an example of, hey, this is a company that used Optimizer and these are the type of results they saw? Yeah, we have a number of case studies. And so unfortunately, the bigger companies are always a little hesitant to put their name next to things because it gets a little tricky. Um, but we have a large a uh, streaming company and they operate in so many markets with so many shows and just think of streaming companies nowadays right there's such a glut of content but that content varies by market and then you have different ads or different languages in the different markets so think of the complexity of running those campaigns and building them out at scale and keeping up with the new shows that you're producing um, and so that's a huge time saver so we have a company that's using that to to really for the first time have global coverage on everything they do, whereas in the past, their team might have been limited to some of the major markets. So it allows them to penetrate into new markets. Um, 
you know, we have companies that work with dental uh, offices, like hundreds of dental offices. They were able to really drive, again, the, the penetration of having the right relevant ads for each of these different locations and boosting the CTRs and the click-through rates because the ads were more relevant. Um, we have automotive companies, I think. I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it was like significant improvements in cost per acquisition for a car. Uh, so someone looking to buy a car and how much those leads cost. And again, they were able to do it because they were able to put up ads that were not just buy a Ford from our dealership. No, it was like, we have a used Ford F-150 in black low mileage from this year and boom that's exactly what the user wanted so they click that ad that's they put in the lead you get that business um so there's a ton of case studies on our website um so definitely yeah, check those out but those are some that come to my mind awesome and we greatly appreciate you sharing that with us and we know your time's incredibly valuable um you've built something so successful what's your biggest challenge now yeah i mean i think the biggest challenge continues to be like as we work in a field where we work together with Google and Google ads, Google is moving so, so fast, just keeping up with that and making sure that our tools and capabilities remain relevant. Uh, that's something that requires continuous thought and continuous innovation in the software. And so that's one thing that my co-founders sometimes like kid about, but if we had built a calendaring software or some other productivity tool, like that doesn't evolve, right? Like if you figure out a good way to schedule your time, you're basically done. If you're working on top of Google ads and marketing, it changes every three months what Google is doing. And so we have to constantly not only maintain the software we have, but build new capabilities on top of that. So it's both fun, but it's also challenging. Um, and then I think the, the latest thing that everybody's probably talking about, but generative AI. So uh, how does generative AI like chat GPT change things? And I was reading recently in the Wall Street Journal that like 50 or 60% of SaaS softwares now have some sort of generative AI that they're at least talking about doing in the software. But then the question is like, when does it actually matter? When is it actually helpful? Are we just doing this because it's the thing everybody's talking about? Or can we actually make your life better through it? And one of the biggest challenges in that, so, so my customers, they come to me and they're like, hey, what are you guys doing in generative? What's your chat GPT? And by the way, we have one because we have to, right? But um, but they don't understand that generative AI is really good at putting words together. It's really bad at doing analysis. That's not what it's about. That's what AI, by the way, is really good at. Historically, machine learning, statistical analysis, which is forms of AI. We've been using that for years to tell you, okay, these are keywords you might want to consider. Uh, these are sort of patterns in, in budget distribution that tell us that you may want to increase your budget for Q4 by this much, because we've looked at a big data set and used AI to figure out how much that's probably going to grow in this season. Um, but generative can't do that. So you ask generative, how much budget should I put towards my Q4 to sell my barefoot running shoes? It'll put words together, but those words are completely made up. It just says, oh, barefoot running shoes. We often see that close to this number for budget. And so it puts it together, but there's no analysis of that. It's just kind of like historically what it's seen. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Um, and so making people understand what are those limitations while still giving them tools that actually get around those limitations. That's uh, one of our biggest, but also funnest challenges these days. That's awesome. Um, your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I love running a team. I love being in an industry that runs really fast. Um, and coming up with the new stuff, right? Like how does it, so I'm super excited right now about generative. Like we've been able to do some really cool stuff with it in terms of automating some of the, the, the things you do in a PPC campaign. In fact, I've written a few blogs and people can look them up, but if you were to have to run a, a campaign from scratch, how do you use generative AI to come up with keyword ideas, to come up with headline and ad variations? How do you use it after the ad is running to tell you what keywords might not be that relevant? Uh, how do you use it to identify audiences, right? How do you speak differently to someone who's into barefoot running versus like marathon running versus sprinters? They have different things they care about. How do you message that? Uh, that that's where generative AI is really helpful. And so I find that exciting, figuring out how does that new technology truly help someone be effective and then bring it into a piece of software because I think we all, everybody here has gone to chat GPT. Everybody's listening has done it. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, that was fun, but now I'm actually running a business and I need to scale this fun thing. So ideally it's part of one of the softwares I'm already using. And that's why it's so nice that you look at Google spreadsheets or you look at Excel, they have generative capabilities coming into it. And that makes it scalable. That makes it actually useful in your business. And so figuring that out for optimizer is uh, is one thing I'm working on. Awesome. For our folks watching and listening who want to learn more, where is the best place for us to send them? Yeah, go to optimizer.com. There's no E in optimizer, O-P-T-M-Y-Z-R.com. And then I'm uh, on LinkedIn as well. So Fred, Frederick Valles. Uh, on Twitter, I uh, don't know how much longer that will last, but uh, I'm at Silicon Valley there. I'm also on threads nowadays. But, uh, but yeah, hit me up on any of those channels um, or write to support at optimizer.com. <clears throat> That's easy to remember. You can always ask for me and uh, they'll put you in touch with me. All right. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Fred Valles of Optimizer. Fred, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.